So let's stand for the reading of God's Word. I'm going to begin reading in John chapter 10, verse 1, and I'll read through verse 11. Jesus is speaking, and these are his words. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Father, as we come and open up your word, we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds and that you would press the good news uh, that you are the door, that you are the good shepherd deep into our hearts that it might expand out of us and go wide to the world, beginning right where we live, where we work, where we play, and all over the world. We ask this, Lord, in the name of Jesus, in the powerful presence of the Holy Spirit in us even now, we pray. Amen. I don't know when the last time is you visited a church. Um, some, I would imagine, are here today for the first time. It's not our habit to make you stand or wave. Not going to do that. But I want you to know, for many of us, we have forgotten what that feels like. The last time I visited a church, um, with the intention of finding a new church home was when my wife and I went to Covenant Seminary in 1994. So for all those years, I've been in a place where I'm serving. I haven't had that experience of, of going somewhere. In fact, once I became a Christian, I was 15, I went to my Young Life Leaders Church. Soon after that, I got introduced to the PCA, started going to a PCA church, in which I began to work for. So it's been very, very rare in our life, my wife Christine and I, that we were actually looking for a new church home. So when we went to St. Louis, we were very excited about the opportunity to explore all these different PCA churches. There were about 21 PCA churches in St. Louis at the time. And so people gave us their list. Oh, you need to definitely check out this church and this church. They all were unique in, in one way or another. And so we went. The very first Sunday, we went to a church called New City, which is a, a church really centered on racial reconciliation. It was a three-hour worship service. That was awesome for one Sunday. And we experienced this incredible, incredible time. We were like, probably not for us. Then my wife went back to Oklahoma City. She had some family stuff to, to experience. I stayed in St. Louis and went to the next church on the list. This was the one that we had heard about the most. 
And so I went and I got there a little bit early. I heard that they did kind of contemporary praise courses at the beginning. The service would start, then it would kind of move on through as kind of, um, you know, very traditional type worship service. It was beautiful. The singing was gorgeous. A few of the people were pretty friendly. And then the service started. About five minutes into the service, I'm sitting about three-fourths back on the left. And this woman walks up to me and says, you're in our seat. It's bad, right? <laughs> you're in our seat. I said, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know. I'll scoot down. She goes, no, no, we take up the whole pew. You need to move. And I, 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 I got to be honest. There was a lot of sinful thoughts going on inside my head <laughs> about what to do, how to make a scene. The spirit triumphed and I just moved. But I'll tell you what happened. My vertical worship of God took a hard right. It was really hard for me to re-enter back into that. In fact, I really didn't. Judgmentalness, arrogance, hurt, fear, all sorts of things were going through my heart and mind, as well as disbelief. I really couldn't believe somebody would do that. I left, called my wife on the way home. How was it? I told her. She said, well, what do you think? I said, that won't be our church. I had one other thought too, as I was exiting the church above every door that they had, there was a big sign. You are now entering the mission field. I later became friends with the senior pastor of that church. He asked me why I didn't attend his church. I told him the story. He was horrified. And then I said, you know, you might consider taking that sign as people are exiting your church and putting it on the other side as they're coming in. <laughs> he smiled. The way we behave as believers matters every day. As we as a church talk about opening our doors, the way it's printed in our bulletin every Sunday really matters. What matters is what's happening inside these doors as we trust that the Lord wants to continue to bring people through these doors. Our architects told us right away, you don't have a great front door. They're beautiful, but there's not this one central place where people could come through and navigate. Like your parking is a disaster. You're not, if you're used to it, it doesn't feel that way to you. But for first time visitors and others, it's hard. For seniors, it can be hard. For young families, it can be hard. He said, but once they figure that out, they walk into this place, they're not even really sure where to go. We'd like to create a new front door, a new place that says, welcome into our church, a light that goes out to the community, as Tommy mentioned. But it's more than just a physical change. It is about these spiritual doors, the reality of people coming on Sundays as well as other times during the week into this place for one purpose truly one purpose, and that is to meet Jesus Christ. That is to discover who Jesus is, to come through the doors that we open for people so that they might understand the one who says, truly, truly, I am the door. I'm the only door. I am the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. For 26 years, that has motivated us, and we've seen God's faithfulness. And as we turn towards the next generation of ministry in our church, it's these new doors that we want to see God open. Doors that have already opened like 
Reengage, our redemption groups, ESL, fabulous youth and children's ministry. But we think the Lord's calling us to more of that, expanding those things for the sake of the kingdom being extended. And it all comes back to what Jesus is saying in John 10, that he is the door. I want to point out three things in this text about Jesus being the good shepherd. First, that Jesus is the good shepherd speaks. Second, that he leads. And thirdly, that he lays down his life for the sheep. This is a very familiar passage, I know. But I want to come at it at an angle that might be fresh. Jesus Christ, in this text, tells us that he speaks. He's actually speaking. John, carried along by the Holy Spirit, is the one who records these words. Three times in, these, in this narrative, Jesus says that the sheep hear his voice. When, just, when the sheep hear the voice of God, what they hear first and foremost is truth. Even here, Jesus begins this text by saying, truly, truly. What that means is Jesus is saying, brothers, this is very important. And the reason it's very important is because many think there are multiple ways to get to heaven. Many think that there are profound ways in which they can get there other than what Jesus says. So what Christ is saying is truly, truly pay attention. What I'm about to tell you is truth. I am the door. There is no other. Jesus says that again in verse seven when he says, so Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. He speaks. Now what that means is at some point in your life, whether you were five, 15, 25, or 50, or on your way to becoming a Christian, you're going to hear the voice of Christ. How do we hear it? It's not an audible voice, but it begins with the Spirit of God moving in us, creating questions and longings in our mind and in our heart, where we're trying to understand the world that we live in. A child, a young child begin to, can begin to ask those questions. And as they ask those questions, God faithfully places people in their lives in the way so that they can point to the way. They're the ones who are the door that God is using to open their heart, to their door, to the one who is the door, Jesus. God does it all the time. And if you're in Christ, he's done it in your life. God speaks. He also says here, and these are Jesus's words, that his sheep know his voice. Brother, sister, that means you know the voice of God. Again, it's not audible, but it's the word of God and the spirit moving in such a way that you're convinced that, that God is speaking to you. It's the illumination of your heart. It's the sense within you that this is right and this is true. And that's what God has given us. He says his sheep know his voice. Do you remember the days when we didn't have caller ID? By the way, I love caller ID. Do you? I love it. But do you remember the day when the phone rang and you actually answered it? You just did. There was no answering machine. You picked it up. And immediately, you either knew who it was or you didn't. 
And if you didn't, you simply politely said, may I ask who's calling? But if you recognize the voice, it's because you've heard that voice before. And if that person, you didn't recognize their voice then, if they continued to call, you would recognize their voice. That's the way it is with Jesus. We, as his people, know his voice because we're his sheep and he is our good shepherd. I believe he is going to speak to you, brother and sister, during this campaign. I believe that you're going to hear his voice through the illuminating work of the Spirit. He's going to do stuff in our body. My wife and I are seeking the Lord's face. We're not just looking at our budget. We're doing that. But above all, we're praying, God, how do you want us to exert ourselves to the utmost? Lord, we are stopping and we're praying, we're listening. So lead us. He's going to do that. Pray to him. We know his voice. Secondly, it's not just that Jesus speaks. The word tells us that he is also leading us. Look with me again at verses three and four. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Okay, pause for a minute. Do you know that God knows you by name? Your name is written in heaven. You're his. He knows everything about you. There's nothing he could ever learn, period. Nothing he could learn about you. Jesus tells us here, as the good shepherd, that he is actually leading us. He leads the sheep out, and because the sheep know his voice, and he know, they know that he knows them by name, they follow. Think about that picture. Jesus Christ extended himself by coming to this earth that he might be the good shepherd, that we would hear his voice, know his voice, and he would lead us out. That picture of God leading his people is present throughout scripture from the beginning to the end. When Moses was about to be succeeded by Joshua, the Lord said these words to Moses. Moses, I'm leading you. I've been with you. I will never forsake you. Just as I was with you, I will lead Joshua. I will be with Joshua. I will never forsake Joshua. Moses heard those words, was told to tell Joshua those words. And then in Joshua 1, Joshua hears the same exact words now, not from Moses, but from God. Joshua, I'm leading you. I'm with you. I will never forsake you. When you come to saving faith in Christ, you heard his voice. You can have confidence that Jesus still is leading you. He is with you. He can never forsake you because he promised. And where is he leading us? Think about Psalm 23. Besides still water, green pastures, what is that? Well, it's the abundant life that Jesus talks about here. The abundant life that Jesus talks about here is not a life that is reserved for glory. It's not a life that we experience once we die. The abundant life begins now. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Last week. The old is gone, the new has come. The abundant life begins this side of heaven. And it is abundant because above all things, we are one with Christ. We have union with Jesus. We are in fellowship with God. It is an abundant life that exists now 
but it's still impacted by the reality that we're in the fall. And that's why the sojourn theme has been so important for our church over the last several months. We're journeying towards that day where we will experience the abundant life and perfection. In other words, no more hunger, no more tears, no more thirst, no more tragedies, no more fear at all, no shame, no guilt. But between now and then, we live in the already, not yet. Already the abundant life, not yet full. It's going to be. This side of heaven, Jesus has promised that abundant life in him. And to be with us while we walk on that journey between the already and not yet. What has he promised? Jesus has promised not to take away our pain this side of heaven. What he has promised is to give us himself. Everybody here? Right here, please. He has promised to give us himself. That's amazing. He's the good shepherd. The good shepherd speaks. He leads. And lastly, he tells us that he lays down his life for the sheep. I want you to think about that for a moment. A shepherd's purpose is to protect the sheep at all costs. Jesus Christ extended himself by coming to this earth to walk upon the earth. As a good shepherd, he calls his sheep to himself. Protecting us for all eternity, Jesus Christ had to go to the place where he himself would lay down his life and be slaughtered. Jesus Christ would go and experience that which we all deserve because of sin. But he did it that he might become the one who is the door, the way of salvation, the only way of salvation. So Jesus, as he's teaching his disciples, he says, I lay down my life for the sheep. He then goes on to say this, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. What that means is that Jesus knows, the Father knows, the Holy Spirit knows when every one of his sheep will be redeemed. And until that happens, he has given us that ministry of reconciliation. He has given us that beautiful privilege of going out and opening these doors and saying, come to this place that you might hear the truth. Truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus is the one who's the way, the truth, and the life. That's why we're doing this. Why does it matter? I want you to think about that mission and all the different ways people might come through these doors. People come through these doors and they will come lonely, joyful, hungry, sad, happy, looking for hope, looking for truth. They're going to come from all different ages. And I believe as the church continues to extend, there will be different races, much more than is represented now. It'll be beautiful. But they're all coming through this one door, these doors, that they might see the one who is the door, 
the only one who is the way, the truth, and the life. How will they hear his voice? Well, it would be because God's moving behind the scenes. And he's going to use people like you and like me to point them to Jesus, the one who's the head of this church, the one who's reigning as king, and the one whose Holy Spirit is present in us. How will it work? God is going to save all of his people. All of those that are his sheep, he's going to save every one of them. Whenever that is accomplished, he will return. Until then, he's going to use you and me and those who follow us. What an incredible opportunity. Not many years ago, there was a woman who worked out across the street at Equinox. She was in the midst of an unplanned pregnancy, terrified, not sure what she should do. She began to hear the voice of Jesus. She didn't know it was Jesus. She didn't know really it was the illuminating work of the Holy Spirit beginning in her life. But she knew she was in crisis. And she came to our church. She came through those doors right there. Not those, those. And she didn't come on a Sunday. She came late in an afternoon. And she walked up to our security officer and said, may I go into the sanctuary to pray? He didn't ask my permission. He didn't call any senior staff person. Our security officer simply took his key and he opened those doors, turned on the lights and let her in. He didn't know what she was doing or why she was here. That continued every week until the child was born. Sitting in here alone in the sanctuary, she devoted her child to God if he, God, would keep the child safe, bring it to full term. She did not believe in God. Not the God you and I worship. She didn't know what she believed. But behind the scenes, the Spirit of God was moving. How did we find out about this? It wasn't because our security officer came and told us. It was because this woman called the church and said she wanted to have her child baptized. She wasn't even a Christian. She didn't even know what it meant. And so as she entered through those doors, imagine her fear. And then she entered through those doors and sat somewhere in the sanctuary praying. And then she picked up a phone after the child was born and said, I'd like to have this child ba baptized. We were introduced. And Paul Goebel began to meet with her and share the gospel. And then they were baptized. God uses his people to bring his people to himself. He can do it in so many different ways, but it's always about his people hearing his voice. The church that you are a part of, whether you're a member or a friend, is committed to exerting ourselves to the utmost for the sake of pointing people to Jesus. How you live out what you believe matters. 
every one of us. The way we worship, the way we give, the way we think, the way we interact. It matters every Sunday and every day. The depth of the gospel in our lives is centered on the beauty of Jesus laying down his life for us. And as we meditate upon what Christ has done to extend himself to us, as it goes deep into us, then it goes wider and wider to the world. It makes a huge difference. It makes an eternal difference. But it involves you and it involves me. And what a gift. I invite you to move forward in prayer to this good shepherd. Jesus, tell him, pray to him. I want to hear your voice. I want to be used by you to extend your kingdom. I need you to speak. And as you engage the Lord, and as you and your spouse engage the Lord, and bring your children along in this, please. But be careful. They may want you to give a lot more than you think. Bring them along and let them see you exerting yourself to the utmost for the glory of Christ. Who knows who the Lord might bring here and what he might do with them. But he longs to use you and me right now. When I told Jay Marty I was going to be preaching from John 10, he showed up with a hymn in my office that we've never sung. Now I know right now you're opening your bulletin, so I want you to just stop and listen because this is pretty amazing. Jay Marty said to me, Mark, I've searched my biggest database and I could only find one hymn, one, that spoke about Jesus being the door. That's pretty amazing to me, but it's a great hymn. It was written in the 18th century by a man named Philip Doddridge. You've probably never heard of him. He was a pastor, a nonconformist, Puritan, who wrote over 400 hymns. He also wrote a book titled The Rise and Progress of Religion in the Soul. How do you think that title would go over today? The book titled The Rise and Progress of Religion in the Soul was a book that Charles Spurgeon called, Oh, That Holy Book, translated in the 18th century into seven different languages. It was also the book that led William Wilberforce to hear the voice of Jesus. It's the book God used, along with his holy word, to save William Wilberforce. Philip Doddridge primarily wrote hymns to be sung at the end of the service in joyful response and deep reflection to the message that the people had just heard. And so many of his hymns were set to common meters. And this morning, we're going to be singing a new song for our church, a song titled, Awake Our Souls and Bless His Name. Along with this book that we've printed if you don't have one yet, take it and take your bulletin 
and made this hymn this week press deep into your heart and mind the good news that Jesus Christ is the door. He is the good shepherd. And he wants to use us to continue to help people hear his voice. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this congregation. Thank you that I get to be a part of it. Thank you for the way people are responding. Thank you for the desire that we as believers have to hear your voice. Thank you that you know our name. Thank you that you've promised us abundant life. Thank you that you've given us yourself as you're leading us. And above all, Jesus, thank you that you laid down your life for us. Lord, as we sing, would you keep us present for just a few minutes more? Would you help us to really think about what's coming out of our mouths? And would you press it deep into our hearts? Indeed, would you wake us up that we might sense again the transforming presence of Christ in us? We pray in your holy name. Amen.